Focus Football. It is Tuesday, September 26th. My name is Daniel Dopp. I am joined by Stefania Bell and Field Yates. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch Geico sale ways that you could save. Guys, it is great to be here with you today, Stefania. How are you doing on this Tuesday? I'm here. You're here? All right. Wow, she's <laughs> here. Confirmed here. Back the question. Yeah, we get some round of applause. You're just like, um, when you have a friend over and maybe he's he's dating somebody new, he or she's dating somebody new, and that person's kind of a drag, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you're like, well, I guess I kind of have to invite that person to come along with. Yes. When you're like, hey, I'm here with with Stefania Bell and Field, and Field Yates. Yates. I'm, I'm, I'm the drag. <laughs> I wouldn't call you a drag, Field. No, I would not say but that. There, there could be better options is all I'm saying. No. You can I mean, admit it. You, you don't have to be that. Well, I yeah, think, I mean. I think Field is. If if fishing. fishing fishing for compliments, <laughs> a little bit of good job. Yeah, yeah that know. was good. No, like yeah. like, like on a know. one to ten scale, assuming the the one through eight are eliminated, how cool am I? Just uh, how about that? Yeah, you're probably like a nine. Yeah. Probably like yeah, that's what I would say. That's eight point five. Oh, there's so much what? feel. I love being able to do this show with you as well. It's so great being here with all you guys. We love being able to do this. Honestly, there we go. Today's show is going to be a ton of fun. We are talking about Monday Night Football recaps. Yeah, what are we talking about? We yeah. got a waiver wire. We got an injury recap. We're going to dive into a bunch of different names we're going to talk about but first and foremost i want to say one thing okay i want to say shout out to stefania bell because this week in week four heading into week four she is currently 121st in the scott fishbowl league is that right let's go um well thank you but i think you buried the lead i also want to say because shout out to field yates <laughs> who is currently in the top 100 92nd really? in scott yeah. fishbowl let's right go. now i mean yeah. i absolutely laid waste to my opponent this past weekend uh he was talking on twitter too so i had to make sure that uh you know i put him in his proper spot there. that's right uh but i did not realize i was 92nd that's yeah. most importantly top 100. though wow my buddy jb brubaker yeah now current espner we definitely claim him 15th is that right? Scott Fishbowl. That is impressive. Shout out JB. That's wow. why we brought you into the Fantasy Woo. Focus Show wow. League. So that is impressive. It's been a ton of fun. Just don't play wow. me in the show league like that's that, a, please. That's right. Save uh, that for the Scott Fishbowl. We are going to get into no, a Monday Night Football recap. I know. Field, I'm, congratulations, I know. man. That's pretty good. I'm Top 100. That, we'll take Look at that. He's, that's right. He's like, going to go check him. I'm you like, Daniel would be, Daniel just called you boring, and you think he's going to give you a compliment like that? I mean, I was like, there's no way. I felt like I checked this recently, and I, you know, my team is is solid, but. I don't, there's what, 2,475 people in there. I have no yeah. idea what my Something, solid team, how my solid listen, team stacks up. Uh, we, a couple people vaulted this week. Because That's right. Let's, let's admit it. There yeah, were like totally. 50 points. A couple from, of big performances. You know, different people who might not have been in other people's lineups. I'm just saying. You know who else had a big performance this week? I'm going to say this really quickly. And then we're going to move on to talk about Monday Night Football. Okay. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, baby. Still had a big week. And I want to mention this. If you want to, we have a tweet that we can throw up. If you look at everything that happened for Travis Kelsey this week, it has been an unbelievable week for him. Okay. Dude had seven catches. Dude had 69 yards and a touchdown. He gained 300,000 social media followers, a 400% (laughs) increase in merch sales, and now a top five jersey, selling jersey in the NFL. That is the Taylor Swift effect. What can be given can also be taken away. You know what? You're not wrong. Better behave, Travis Kelsey. I do want to say this, though. (laughs) I want to have some fun with this. Stefania, we talk about, and Matthew championed this, and I know Fields, Stefania, we all talk about this. Yeah. It's all about, I love being able to add new people to the game of fantasy football. Totally. And if you, this is like a legit organic opportunity where your wives or your husbands or your kids or your spouses organically want to care about something that has to do with fantasy football. So encourage that. Empower that. (laughs) Don't 
don't poo poo it and be like, I'm over this, this Taylor Swift stuff. No, no. This is a cool moment. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, embrace this because this is an awesome thing potentially for fantasy and helping to encourage younger new people that don't play this game to be able to get into the stuff that we love. Dip your toe in the pool. The Absolutely. Do you think Taylor plays fantasy football? She's about to. <laughs> I'm going to invite her to the crappy bands league. Sorry for whoever I got to kick out. Sorry, guys. I mean, I think like she's that person would be so honored. Like so you're kicking me out of the league to replace me with Taylor <laughs> Swift. Like, can I open for her for like not even a show? Like, can I play a chord at one of her uh, one of her concerts? That would be incredible. That would be amazing, that'd right? Be so, that'd be so cool. You know how we talked about the who wore it better yeah. last week, and then we can move on. But yes. I, who do you think wore Arrowhead better? Taylor Swift during her tour or Travis Kelsey uh, on Sunday? Ooh. With But he still has to count for it because of Taylor Swift. Because Taylor was still there. Yeah, I think Taylor like, is the, the nudge. If they were ever to an award, a, a lifetime achievement, it would go to Travis, right? Because he's been there for so long and so dominant for such a long hey, period of time. Yeah. But Taylor in like an isolated moment... You I gotta don't know. Figure she that. might get lifetime achievement. I mean, she's been doing this since she was. A well, I mean, that cleaner. Arrowhead specifically. I'm saying. Oh, right, because okay. she was okay. there for three days. He's All been right. doing this for ten years in Kansas City. Yeah, we'll give him the but those three days we'll were pretty freaking sweet. Yep. Yes, they were. All right, let's that talk. The guy who did not go to the they didn't concert. get to see him. I'll tell you what. I definitely want to go see a concert now. You got now. two girls. Uh, you, you have an opportunity. Oh, we listen to some T. Swift. Yeah. That's right. That's for sure. All right, let's dive into Monday Night Football. There were two big games. Rams at Bengals is where we are going to start with this one, and there was one. Obvious, huge storyline that we were talking about, and it is Joe Burrow playing this game. I was really surprised to be able to see him out there. Stefania, my dumb fan NFL eyes saw Joe Burrow not look like himself. Mobility looked like it was an issue. He definitely wasn't the Joe Burrow that we've seen. For you, as someone that has actually rehabbed athletes before, when you saw Joe out there on the field, what did you take away from this performance? Well, well, it's interesting, Daniel. I posted this on Twitter before the game of the things I would be looking for because these would be the concerns for somebody who clearly was not 100%. No one tried to hide that. Otherwise, the yep. decision wouldn't come down to game time. It was going to be how well does he move in and around and outside the pocket? How does he do after explosive movements, you know, that's when he aggravated the calf before was he tried to push off and there was a setback. And then how does he look as fatigue sets in? It's one thing to get through practice and look good, but it's another thing to get through four quarters of football. So if you break those all down, we didn't really see him move a lot. You know, he was able to function. He was serviceable in around the pocket. There was one time late in the game where he had to run away. He kind of pulled off. I think it was seven or eight steps. And that's when you, everybody, I think the collective breath holding from Mm -hmm. Bengals fans and the sideline, because it just looked uncomfortable to him. And that also accounted for that was late in the game. So again, the fatigue and the trying to move quickly, those were problematic. They obviously tried to structure the game around the limitations they anticipated for him. But most importantly, he got through it. Those were literally his words uh, with Laura Rutledge uh, at the sideline. was like, we got through this. I think we, like it was a team effort. We got through this. And she specifically asked him, so there were no setbacks during the game. And he said, no, no setbacks. So uh, for people to think, okay, well, he got through it. We're over the hump. Not necessarily. This is going to be something they have to manage for weeks on end. But every week they get through is one more week removed from the injury as long as there's no setback in between. Can he get healthy during the season? Yes, but it's a tall task. But you also, if you saw, he was also uh, using something on the sideline. I did see that, yeah. So this is a, uh, it's, a uh, it's called a venom heat and massage units made by hyper ice and it's basically there to give you massage locally in the calf and provide a heating element so when he was sitting down there was treatment ongoing so just understand he's not at 100 percent 
And the question becomes, uh, I think, weekly in terms of what you can expect. And we're just going to have to see how he evolves from week to week. So last week we were talking about how Deshaun Watson had not really come around as a passer. But if he does, that could really catapult his fantasy value into being a weekly top 10 fixture. He got the Titans that next week and he looked much, much better. That might be the saving grace for Joe Burrow, because if you ask me after last night how I'm feeling, the obvious answer is I'm still very concerned. Let's talk about some of the things that are negative indicators for Joe Burrow so far this season and some of the things that I don't think will change. Yep. He's got five, uh, a long rush of five yards this season. He has a total of three rushing yards so far. Yeah, five might be his long at the end of, of the, the year. Yes, it might be. So he's got three rushing yards so far this season. It's not that Joe Burrow is anywhere close to Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields, but last year he had over 250 rushing yards, and for his career, he's got 10 rushing touchdowns in three seasons, of course, missing part of his rookie year because of that torn ACL. Yep. Given the fact that he's dealing with a lower body injury, that calf specifically, if the Bengals have a first and goal from the one-yard line, they might be one of the few teams that is not going to go to the tush-push right now, which can be hidden value for a quarterback. It's not hidden for Jalen Hurts, and we'll talk about it in a minute. It's just there, right? So I'm concerned about the fact that part of what made Joe Burrow elite in fantasy was not just the throwing upside, but enough rushing upside to catapult him over other only throwing quarterbacks. Right. That part, not there anymore. More importantly is that because of the calf injury and because of the offensive line play, which last night I thought was not particularly great, the explosive plays are just not there right now. And maybe part of that is because they're not as inclined to have him pushing off, you know, so forcefully off the calf, which is what it's going to require when you're throwing the football down the field. This is a guy who averaged last year 7.4 yards per attempt. 8.9 the year before, he's at 4.7 right now. And as we saw last night, Jamar Chase went off. Yes. If I told you, though, that Jamar Chase was going to have 12 catches, how many yards would you expect for Jamar Chase? 12 catches, I would expect at least 150 yards. Right. You're thinking to yourself, like, oh, this is Jamar Chase, right? He had 141. Now, it's a great effort from Jamar Chase. We love all of that, right? But he's down to 9.6 yards per catch so far this season. That's down from 12 last year and then 18 as a rookie when he had just this freakazoid season. Fine with, with, with Jamar Chase. But specific to Joe Burrow, the upside is just going to be much harder for him to achieve because the vertical passing game is not nearly as involved so far this year. And he's not going to get those yards as a runner. And I don't think rushing touchdowns are going to be easy for him to come by. If he balls out against the Titans this week because the Titans are just a dreadful passing defense, part of me wonders if there is a conversation about a potential move off of Joe Burrow from your quarterback because he certainly isn't the reason why you've had success so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. I I still feel like I'm at the point where obviously you would have rather start almost any quarterback last night rather than Joe Burrow. Hopefully you made one of the pivots that we talked about in FF now, either going to a, a Jared Goff or even honestly, Matt Stafford would have been better for you than, yeah. than Joe Burrow last night. So that's a hard part because I appreciate that he is going to keep the Jamar Chase volume up. It feels like that buy low window on Jamar Chase has closed at least for now. Yeah, Because even if Burrow was limited, if he can get Jamar Chase this kind of volume, that's what I need to see from him in this offense. I can find another quarterback. This is absurd. I'm looking at this right now. Joe Burrow has scored fewer fantasy points than Anthony Richard, who's played a game and a quarter so yes. far this year. He yeah. scored fewer fantasy points than Desmond Ritter. Mm-hmm. Fewer fantasy points than Kenny Pickett. What about Joshua Justin Dobbs? Justin Fields. Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. 
Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield. These are all quarterbacks that are well they're above Joe Burrow so far this year. So um, my, my biggest takeaway is that like I am still concerned going forward. Tennessee might be that get right game because of the matchup. But this is a situation that I think bears very close monitoring going forward. And if you have Joe Burrow as your quarterback, you might be one and two right now. I was just looking at their schedule, too, because when does the bye come into play? So you get a bye in week seven, yeah. which, again, one week is not going to do – it's not going to solve the issue for him. Sure. But if he gets through week four, five, six, and we assume that he's making progress, he gets a nice break at week seven, he's going to need it because look who he comes against next. San Francisco 49ers. Don't love it. Buffalo Bills. Oh, don't love it. You know, then Houston, then Baltimore, then Pittsburgh. Like, he's going to have some challenges. He's going to need to be able to move better and get rid of the ball more quickly and get the ball downfield as he gets rid of it more quickly. Yep. That's what that's what's going to have to happen to make that valuable. I might be looking. All right, let's, ta- let's move ahead and talk about these Rams. Puka Nakua finally came back to earth sort after of, starting up. Yeah, sort of, right? Even you know, sort of. It's like... It, just just to put some perspective on how incredibly ridiculous he was in the first two weeks of the season, people are like, oh, man, I only got 12.2 fantasy points, five catches for 72 yards on the guy who has more catches than any other player in the first three games of his career in NFL history. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm not concerned about Puka. Mike Clay, big shout out to him, did talk about how this Bengals pass defense was stingier in terms of limiting opposing wide receivers the Port Niners are better defense, to be clear, right? But the Bengals, specific to fantasy so far, had been a little stingier in terms of holding opposing wide receivers down. So, uh, good call by Mike. Puka, still a top 10 fantasy wide receiver for me in week four. We'll see if Cooper Cup is a back in week five, at which point I do think the Nakua value conversation comes into play. But until Cup returns, he's a lineup block for me. Field, we've been getting questions in our YouTube chat. After this game, do you think Puka is a trade target now at this point? Which is tough for me because I don't know why you're going to trade him if Meaning you, trading him away. I think so, yeah, at this point. Because if you're going to try to move him, is, is it because you think Cooper Cup is going to come back and now that volume is going to come down and this might be more indicative of the of the Puka Nakua I'm not going to put Stefania on the spot, ask her about Cooper, because there's been no update and Sean McVay has been extremely transparent. He did say recently, hey, we, we hope he's available for week five, but I wouldn't read into that as that they expect him to be there or expect him to not be there in week five. I just think there's too much variable with Cooper Cup's recovery to move off from Puka Nakua, who's a real freaking player for them. This is not a guy who's just been thrust into a role that just like you could put me out there and you'd score 15 fantasy points a game. He's the real deal. I would not be looking to trade away Puka Nakua right now because I think even if Cooper Cup does return in week five yeah. and we'd love that, Puka, like Robert Woods has, yeah. done, has been a thing. Odell Beckham Jr. has been a thing opposite of Cooper Cup. Yes, they have. In that Rams offense. All right, let's talk about Kyron Williams. A little disappointing as far as the output today. But, or yesterday, but yeah. he still got a ton of touches, 10 carries, seven targets in the passing game. When we're talking about Kyron Williams being a guy that we're going to start week in and week out, it's because of the volume that he gets. And it's not just his rushing volume. It's that passing game volume field. And that continued, even though it was a low production output. For yeah, him. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to get the exact number of stats last night for Kyron Williams. Oh, 100% for- of the snaps, guys. <laughs> Do you understand this? Yeah. Like You're telling me that if I have a running back play every single snap, is that player going to be useful in fantasy? Yes. yes. Seven targets. So of the Rams, 50, 55 snaps last night. 55. Okay. Do the math. He accounted for 25 plus, for more than 25% of the opportunities last night. Like That's 30% of the opportunities went to Kyron Williams. I was just saying that like Puka Nakua is a real player. His production is not simply a byproduct of being thrust into this role, right? 
I think Kyron Williams is a good player, but less of a player than Puka Nakua is, right? This is a role that is just so freaking valuable right now because the Rams have the thinnest running back room behind Kyron Williams in the entire league that I get it. You're going to have some dud games, relative dud games like last night, but I remain optimistic about the role for Kyron Williams unless the Rams make a trade for somebody or sign Leonard Fournette or something off the street, which I'd be surprised by all of that. I'm going to continue to have Kyron Williams ranked extremely high in my running back rankings every single week. I mean, think about some of the players. B. John Robinson's playing like 55% of the snaps right now. Obviously, he's way more talented and a big-time threat in the passing game, but like, we're finding value in running backs who are playing like 60, 65, 70% of the snaps. He's playing basically every snap. All of that them. is incredible for a running back. And I yep. think the fact he was targeted as much as he was, like there were some off-target passes for oh, sure yeah. because Stafford was under duress, et cetera. But he needs an offensive I, line. Okay, well, yeah. Um, but I, so what I'm saying is like he's clearly going to be involved in both aspects of the game. They're not just looking for him to run the ball, and I don't think that goes away. All right, let's talk Eagles at Bucks Field. There were yep. a couple guys that I had talked about yesterday that I was had some question marks on. For me, the Eagles wide receivers. I wanted to know, does the squeaky, squeaky wheel, wheel. You call this get one, a little Daniel. bit of volume call here? By you. Yeah. Absolutely. A.J. Brown, nine catches, 131 yards, but most importantly, 14 targets. And this could have been even better. It should have been better. A couple of touchdown opportunities that couple went of big through the wickets last night. Yeah. Uh, but the first two plays through the air last night, were shots down the field to A.J. Brown. Yep. So uh, apparently whatever happened the prior Thursday night is now effectively water under the bridge. Uh, the reality with these Eagles wide receivers is that by the end of the year, I think both of them are going to have very favorable stat lines, yep. but they are going to be prone on occasion to the what happened to Devontae Smith last night, yep. which is played... Had, what was it like? Uh, well, he was, you know, to be fair, like I kind of saw that you could have seen the AJ Brown thing coming because Devonte Smith was also nursing quad and hamstring issues. And while neither of them seemed severe, I mean, he was out there practicing every day. Yeah, it's still something where maybe you're not going to stretch him down the field a ton. I mean, he played and, every snap at one last night. What? Devonte played every snap at one last he night. He did. So like, but I, yeah. but. Still, I mean, it's different to be on the field and it's different to be the primary guy. Only five targets last night, which I wanted to see more from. More targets would be great. But like, again, at the end of the year, I think you're going to look back at both of these guys' stat lines and be like, wow, monster seasons for both of them again. You're just going to have a couple of these games. This is two out of three for Devontae Smith where it hasn't been major output. Uh, So, well, that's not totally true, is it? Devonta Smith, that he had 17 fantasy points week one. and then that what tw- it was? Yeah, okay, 17 so. one and 23 week two. So, but you are, they are going to have both back and forth games. There will also be some games where they're both going to go off. Yeah. Like we, that's how it works with these Eagles wide receivers. When we finish this game, let me get back to T Higgins for a second, because I think people are probably wondering about you know him Fair. in a similar vein. But um, let's talk about the biggest takeaway, though, for the Eagles last night is the running back. Running back. Yeah. So DeAndre Swift. The, so he played seven more snaps than Kenneth Gainwell. But what we asked coming into the game was, hey, if either of them gets a certain number of opportunities, who's the way more explosive player? And it's obviously uh, DeAndre Swift, right? And what did he do last night? Another monster effort as he had a total of 130 rushing yards last night on 16 carries. Only one catch for DeAndre Swift, but if if he's going to continue to run the ball as much as he has over the past two weeks behind that offensive line, you have found yourself, I don't know about found, because you probably drafted him way higher than you felt good about after week one when he barely played, um, but you have found a very, very valuable running back right now who I think the good part is it's down to two. It's DeAndre Swift. It's Kenneth Cainwell. Those are the only two that matter right now, right? 
And moreover, you know that DeAndre Swift's the most talented guy here. He is a top 20 running back play because of just how much volume he's getting behind that offensive line and the fact that Sorry, Daniel, but like this dude can freaking ball. Huh? Yeah, he can. You don't like, need to apologize to me. I've watched him ball in Detroit. He looks fantastic. I am disappointed, though. I'm just going to be that emotional fantasy manager. You can tell me it's not fair. This is so weird to watch him become Alvin Kamara right now. Just not get any passing game usage. The yeah. thing that he is so good at, get him the ball in space. Let him use his pass catching ability. And I understand the uh, Eagles don't yeah. need to let him do that because he's got like 9.8 yards before contact. Right. Yeah, like, I was going to say, he's such a good runner right now. Like I'd, I'd have more of an issue with it if we were getting Alvin Kamara rushing production of, yeah, where it's fair. like he had 16 carries for 52, 54 yards, right? You're like, that would frustrate me, right? Because you know, he's so good as a pass catcher. It's hard for me to take them to task when he continues to run for, like you said, nine yards per carry or whatever it was last night. Eight I thought, yards per I thought carry. you were going somewhere different with that being frustrated. As oh. a Lions fan. No, I love I, I love DeAndre Swift. I want to be excited about all my former Detroit Lions that yeah. go elsewhere and have, have success. Look what Let's talk about these Buccaneers wide receivers. This was the other question that I had. Yeah. Mike Evans has been the guy for Baker Mayfield through two games. And the question was, is Chris Godwin going to get some more run here? Got to be honest, he didn't really get more run. Five yeah. targets. Five targets. And I understand Mike Evans kind of gets bailed out by getting that touchdown at the end of the game. But he had 10 targets from Baker Mayfield. We are not seeing the same kind of volume, Stefania, for Chris Godwin that we thought we were going to see living in the slot. So at this point, what are you doing with Chris Godwin? Mm. Well, I'm not getting rid of him yet, but I do think Baker Mayfield's locked in on Mike Evans. That That is his main guy. That is his go-to guy. And let's just think about what we thought about Mike Evans at the start of the season. You couldn't. I mean, I think I think I got him in leagues. Like I'm trying to remember what round I drafted Evans him in. Like, Evans. Mike Evans. Evans. Oh yeah, late. Like, late. Nobody. Eighth, I think Mike ninth. Evans was written off for this season, partially because the quarterback, partially because people didn't know, if, you know, what the situation was. He was unhappy with Tampa Bay, and now all of a sudden he's clearly the number one choice for Baker Mayfield. Chris Godwin's still a talented guy. You obviously saw if you saw him last night, he had one fantastic catch, but. Uh, I don't know. I th- I think Baker tends to lock in. That's what we've seen in the past. So, well, and now that we've seen that field through three weeks, like Mike Evans feels like a really great start for me in my starting lineup. Totally. Chris Godwin feels quite a bit more precarious at this point. No doubt, this will be one where I hate to rely on this phrase that often, but this one feels like I'm not saying this as like the human or the player he's been, but purely from a fantasy perspective he's going to have to kind of earn his way back into my lineup if you're Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I don't feel great about starting Chris Godwin in week four right now. They're playing the Saints. It's not even about the matchup, even though the Saints do have a good pass defense, but it's like, you really want to play Chris Godwin with the modest production, both in terms of catches, yards, and, tar- yards and targets? Like, right now, if you're playing a Bucks receiver, it's clearly Mike Evans. We'll talk more with Mike about the wide receiver cornerback matchup with Marshawn Lattimore. But yeah, it's been Ooh. a very pedestrian start so far for Chris Godwin, a player that I think still must be held. But, yeah, I was just uh, going to say, I'm not in. getting rid gotta of him, it. Nope. Yeah. but I'm not putting him in my starting yeah. line. We have one more guy from this game to talk about. Rashad White didn't get, again, didn't get a ton of run. I don't think there's much to talk about here. Yeah. He got volume. Did the situation change at all from what we've seen either the first two weeks? No, this is kind of like with Kyron Williams. Still his show. Almost every single snap. Yep. He's getting 17 opportunities. You're going to have Tucker's to live not with, there. Yeah, he's not going to catch a zillion passes, but you know his three cat, three receptions last night, they're not a very good run-blocking offensive line at the interior. So the totally Eagles, fine with Rashad White. The Eagles are a pretty good defense, by the way. Excellent defense. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's go back um, to T. Higgins, because you had mentioned him as someone that we should be talking about. Yes, okay, so what do you do? Because he's had two out of three dud games, zero in week one, and then last night, 
just a complete non-factor as well relative to your expectations. Part of this is the passing offense right now, right? Like it is just super inefficient. Joe Burrow, an absolute assassin, completing like 50% of his passes last night, 26 of 49. Is it possible he would have completed like 65% if T. Higgins had yeah, dropped all the say, passes that no he did? Doubt, he, had a, he had an off night. Yeah. Like that was just not It, it was Higgins not the T. Like, Higgins yeah. that we expect. So yeah. I, I do want to put some of that on like last night was just looked like a tough one for him. It was a tough night for T. Higgins. Um, he had a total of eight targets. You'll take that. So this yeah. is two games this season in which he's had eight targets and he's turned them into a total of two catches, two for 21. But look at, so that's what you have to keep the faith in here. If you have T Higgins, if I told you through three games, here was his target total, eight, 12 and eight, you'd say, Oh my it. gosh, that's right. He awesome. probably has probably have about, you know, three, four touchdowns, a few hundred yards by then. No, he's turned those 28 targets into 10 catches for 110 yards. He did have the big game in week two, but hold steady with T. Higgins. I know it's frustrating, but a guy that talented getting that kind of target share must not be ignored. And the Bengals, by the way, there was a time last night, and I, I got to go back, go back and check the final tally. There was a point last night where the Bengals had thrown the ball five to- 20 times and had run the ball just five times. The final numbers, 49 passing attempts to 23 rushing attempts. 49. Both of these teams barely ran the football last night, but last the Bengals continue to be one of the pass-heaviest teams in the NFL. Should bode well for a T. Higgins bounce back. Are you talking about a buy low then on T. Higgins? You're telling, obviously, managers yes, don't, buying low don't sell, Higgins. but you go no out and try. Doubt. I would do my best to get myself some T. Higgins because you know he's going to have some balloon weeks during the season. All right. Let's move ahead and talk about the injury report. Stefania here for week four, getting everybody ready for waiver wire. Derek Carr went down with a sprained right AC joint. Sounds like he's going to be week to week. What do we? What else do we know about him? So if you were watching the game, this was one of the classic quarterback shoulder injury mechanisms. Quarterback gets driven into the turf. One of three things happens. It's either a concussion or it's an AC sprain or it's a clavicle fracture. So AC joint is the point of the shoulder. You have ligaments there. It's also what you hear called a separated shoulder if there's enough ligament damage because those two bones will move apart. And so uh, if you hear the casual term separated shoulders, sort of interchangeable. It looked bad when it happened. We heard reports of Derek Carr even going to the hospital for further evaluation. And then later, Dennis Allen says it ends up being not as severe as what they once thought. So a big sigh of relief for everyone, including Derek Carr, I'm sure. Still a very painful injury and to his throwing shoulder. So it's not just a question of, is he at pain at rest? It's can he go through the arc of motion and throw the ball? We know that Derek Carr likes to throw the ball downfield. That is really tough to do within a few days after this injury. He is being called week to week. Adam Schefter reporting it's unlikely that they plan on using him, that they'll probably go to Jameis Winston the first week, but he could be back as soon as the week after. This is very much a day-to-day evaluation. People wondering, you know, are they a big risk for further injury by putting him back? This is not like the Joe Burrow situation. Uh, If you can play through it, you play through it. And I thought it was really interesting. Mike Triplett, our former colleague, who now is at NewOrleans.Football, wrote a piece after they talked to Drew Brees, who had this same injury back in 2014. And so you love to hear from somebody who played the same position, who had the same injury. And he said, you know, it was one of the only times in his career that he literally did not practice until it was time to play in the game because everything is about keeping that arm resting and not putting it through that strain of going through that arc of motion, had an injection, was able to play. And I think his first game back, he put up like some ridiculous thing, like five touchdowns. I got the stats somewhere. It doesn't matter. He had a great game back. So uh, that should be very encouraging for those who roster Derek Carr, that he should be able to come back and be himself 
might not be this week, might be until the week after. But if all goes well, should be fairly soon. Field, I'm still starting Chris Olave without any hesitation, even if Jameis Winston is under center. The only conversation for me is, is Michael Thomas still a flex consideration for me? And there's a, I feel pretty similar about the Saints offense with Jameis with Winston Jameis. as I did with Derek Carr. Like a nominal upgrade, of course, with Derek Carr. That was the reason why they made the pursuit of him, but doesn't really move the needle that dramatically for fantasy purposes. The nice thing about Jameis is it's not like he's going to come in and all of a sudden they're going to limit the offense. He's going to throw the ball. He sure he will. He will throw the ball a bunch. Yeah. And you know what? As a as a manager of the wide receivers, you don't care about the interceptions that Jameis totally. potentially throws. The person throws. who it might impact the most is Alvin Kamara, as we saw in the past couple of years with Jameis as the starter. They did not lean nearly as much on Alvin Kamara as the pass catcher, which you'd love to see a whole lot more of that, especially with Derek Carr once he's back under center. Absolutely. All right, Stefania, let's also talk about Mike Williams. Unfortunately, has gone to the IR. What can you tell oh, us about him? This, uh, you know, another one that makes you sad. Um, in the third quarter, catching a pass went down. You saw his leg bobble. Yeah. And uh, just had that feel, that classic feel of an ACL injury confirmed on Monday that Mike Williams tore his left ACL. Um, Adam Schefter reporting that he's expected to be ready for training camp. This is often what we think when guys are injured early. If you're looking for a silver lining, it's that 9 to 12 month optimum return time following an ACL injury. And so that hits right about the time of the start of training camp. Also important to remember until the athlete gets through surgery and we find out whether there were other structures involved or whether it was an isolated ACL tear, that can make a difference. And then everybody has their own recovery pathway. So you hope for a very smooth recovery for Mike Williams. And at least right now, there's optimism that he could be back when training camp begins. Tough for him because he's certainly dealt with his share of injuries and so talented when he's on the field. Super talented. Mike Williams, 28, turning 29 years old. So... I would love to be able to see Mike Williams back and look good next year. We're going to talk about this, the rest of this offense field, once we get to the waiver wire section, because with Mike Williams out, that's where we're going to go with one of those wide receivers. Stefania, a couple more injuries here. Thursday night football, short week, the Detroit Lions and Green Bay Packers both have a couple of guys. Just talk to us about this game. Yeah, we don't like uh, Thursday night football when you have key fantasy players who are questionable coming in. And that's what we're dealing with both sides of the ball. Uh, David Montgomery for the Lions has a thigh contusion that kept him out last week. Now, a lot of these teams will just do projected practice reports. And so Monday was an estimated practice report, both for the Lions and for the Packers. David Montgomery listed as limited. Now, he said that he felt like he'd be able to play and he would want to be out there if he could be. Um, But still day to day, we'll see. I mean, it's a soft tissue injury and lines have to decide how comfortable they are with where he is Tuesday, typically a bigger practice day for teams that play on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Um, On the other side for the Packers, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, everybody knows we've (laughs) hamstring injury for both of them. And at the end of last week, it looked a little more promising for Christian Watson. I think we thought he'd be active and then He was not. And so the conversation we had on Fantasy Football Now was, well, maybe with the Thursday game in mind, they're just being particularly conservative. Interestingly, Christian Watson listed as a non-participant in the estimated practice report for Monday. Now, what we don't know is because last week, Christian Watson had a scheduled off day. Was this a planned, would-be off day had they really practiced? Don't know. But here's what we do know. Tuesday is the biggest practice day for the Packers coming into Thursday. So I think 
how they how they land Aaron Jones and Christian Watson on the report today will tell us a lot more. Everybody in Green Bay really just kind of shaking their heads, not sure what their status is going to be. I'm not going to put you on the spot for this, Stefania. Not really for us to talk about. I really need Damian Woody here for this, but both of these teams are without a very impressive starting offensive lineman. The Lions been playing without Taylor Decker, and yep. the Packers been playing without David Bakhtiari. Would be big for both of those running backs, Aaron Jones and David Montgomery, if they could get their entire offensive line back and feeling healthy. So totally. something yep. we'll keep watching as we get a little closer to Thursday night football. We got a couple of guys in the concussion protocol too, as well. Stefania, Jimmy G, and Gus Edwards. Both any updates? Any of the guys? Yeah, both of these are are strange. Again, it's the reason why these are not identical. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, we, we saw. I mean, people have replayed. There was a helmet to helmet apparent contact he had with Mika Fitzpatrick in the in the second half, and people wondering if that was the event. Who is to know? But at the end of the game, he was being evaluated for uh, concussion-like symptoms and then was placed in the concussion protocol. So again, criterion-based, not time-based. We wait and see. Gus Edwards, this one's a little more bizarre to me because he left the game to be evaluated for a concussion, did not return. Sounds like Gus Edwards wanted to come back into the game, but did not. Now on Monday, coach John Harbaugh was would only say that he was still being evaluated. So it was unclear to everyone whether Gus Edwards is technically in the concussion protocol or whether he's still going through some evaluation process. Okay. This matters a great deal because they are super, super thin at running back. The, the Ravens are because Justice Hill is dealing with a toe injury, uh, Keaton Mitchell, a shoulder injury on IR, and J.K. Dobbins we know is gone. So they're only... Running backs right now that are available to them are practice squad players Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, and Owen Wright. We're in week four. We're in week four for the Ravens. They're starting Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake. I'm waiting for them to add Frank Gore to their roster. And by the way, Melvin looked pretty good this past week. Shout he out did. Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I will just say this. When Adam Schefter adds a player randomly in the War Room League, <laughs> I immediately go and try to add that player in every, every league other that league. I'm in. <laughs> I know that I play in leagues with people that listen to this show. Uh-oh. So I sort of regret saying this, Uh-oh. but I'm trying to service the people, the larger <laughs> audience. After you went and added them in your leagues. Well, Already. no, a waivers tonight. Oh, yeah, oh, that's okay. to add him yet. I thought you Mitchell claimed him free. Was added by Shefty recently. Keaton Mitchell, Keaton Mitchell yeah. who is coming as off IR. mentioned coming off IR, but he has one more game he has mm-hmm. to miss. But sounds like there was some buzz about Keaton Mitchell during the preseason. So if you have a flexible bench too. spot. Maybe go and add yourself some Keaton Mitchell, and then don't thank me if it works out. Thank Shefty. Thank you. I, I would also, so just to put a bow on this situation with Gus Edwards, it's not clear if he is formally in a concussion protocol or if they were doing an extended evaluation to determine if he was cleared of any concussion symptoms, like in other words, that he never really had one and, and comes back. So we'll, we'll see Tuesday, big day for this big day. All right. We got a couple of quick IR reminders here. Deontay Johnson on IR. We're going to talk about some of the Pittsburgh pass catchers in the waiver wire segment. Jamal Williams, two more weeks, obviously getting three more weeks for him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Getting, uh, why am I blanking? Alvin Kamara back this yeah, week. Say, so yeah. that's going to be a big Williams one. Jamal Williams eligible to return after four games. So that will be week seven because of when he went on. And Deontay Johnson with the hamstring, he would be eligible to come back in week six, but they have a bye. Yes, so he do. too comes back in week seven. All right. We are going to dive into the waiver wire after this. But first, Field Yates, if I need a little bit of help getting some insurance, who should I talk to? Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money oh, on insurance? That's what I need. Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. 
like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you can save. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com or contact your local agent today. Have you ever dreamed of hitting the road in your very own customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter? I have. I sure have. Following college football all season long, hitting all the biggest games in college football's most celebrated stadiums? At ESPN, we dream that dream. And with the help of Mercedes-Benz, we made it happen. This year, our very own Jen Lada has teamed with Mercedes-Benz designers to create a road-ready, fully functional, state-of-the-art podcast studio on wheels. The ride is pure Mercedes-Benz with all-wheel drive and the latest driver assistance safety and tech. The podcast studio must be seen and heard to be believed. A spacious and chill conversation space with mics, camera, and a mixing board to capture the action. On board, Jen Lotta will be interviewing some of the biggest names in college football and points to Mercedes-Benz for always bringing some extra. Out back of the Sprinter, they're innovating, pushing the science of the tailgate, complete with grill, cooler, TV monitors, and more. This is hashtag van life meets the fan life. To get an inside look how this one-of-a-kind, blow-your-mind collaboration came together, visit mbvans.com slash Sprinter Labs. The Mercedes-Benz ESPN College Football Podcast Sprinter coming soon to a game near you. Gosh, that was an A-plus read, I really was. I'm going to give myself an A-plus read. Hey, college football fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret that will help you guys win game days this season. Eckrich Smoked Sausage. You're probably asking yourself, Daniel, can it really be that easy? Absolutely it is. Eckrich Smoked Sausage is crafted with a perfect medley of spices for a truly rich, savory taste. They're delicious all by themselves or in any recipe that you can dream up. And if the word recipe sounds like a lot of work, do not worry. Visit Eckrich.com for dozens of simple, mouth-watering recipes making your tailgate a stress-free event. So there you go. Eckrich Smoked Sausage is the secret to winning game days. You can thank me later. Visit Eckrich.com for more. Point out that... If I'm asking myself a question, I'm not saying Daniel. Oh, you're not saying that? <laughs> well, I'm, I was talking in the, in the, in the fans, just, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. that's the thing. I guess I should have said Stefania. <laughs> I have a confession before we get into waivers, and it's completely unrelated to what you guys just talked about, not related to the waiver wire, not related to um, those live reads right there. Is it why Folklore is your favorite Taylor Swift album? <laughs> it's actually not my favorite Taylor Swift album. It's not? It is not, okay. no. All right. um, I, I like it, funny. but I, I like was... the more upbeat. Uh, okay. Taylor Swift stuff. Right, but I can't believe there's a Taylor Swift debate happening on the set, but the only person <laughs> on involved is the check on the program. Can I ask it. a question? Oh, so there's this uh, Taylor Swift trans, like she just defies all everything. She's the best. That's what yeah. you want to say. Yep. So there's this, there's this photo that's been going around okay. and people have been using it yep. in so many different ways that I don't even understand what the photo is representing when they use it. This is one of those, I'm too afraid to ask the question, but no, I want to ask, the ask qu- it. Okay, all right. Uh, it's, so the no Kevin fear, James no photo, judgment. King of oh. Queens. Oh, I don't get it. I don't get it either. Okay, so we're not alone. No. I'm not alone. No, no okay. I mean, I get his expression on his face, but why did it suddenly become a thing? I don't know where it came from. Like, I know the photo's old, right? I mean, King right, of right, Queens, right. great but, show. So why did it become a thing? We started this trend right now. And I don't, like, I just feel I like people will just be like, just had breakfast, let me post the photo of Kevin James with it. Or like, Wow, I'm so happy that I started, you know, Puka Nakua again this week. Photo of Kevin James. Like, I don't understand the application of it. I say that because I opened up my Twitter page and someone once again tweeted it, and I don't understand what it is. And if Daniel and I are the only two people, and maybe Stefania that don't get it, maybe the joke is on us, but I wanted to come clean because I, I am laughing at your tweets. 
but I'm not sure I entirely understand them. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. And if I'm not alone, please tweet at me. You can tweet me the photo as well to make me feel like I'm not alone. That feeling when Field Yates tries explaining why he doesn't understand the photo and it's a photo of (laughs) Kevin Chase underneath it. That's what it is right there. Okay, I'm in for that. That is the tweet and it's coming. I'm so confused by it. I I wish I had. That's so good. All right, let's Faster talk about thumbs. the waiver wire. We got to pick up some guys for our fantasy lineup. Yeah, we do. Field. Yep. There was one running back that dominated week three. Can I expect 51 oh points from Devon Achan in my lineup in week four? I would not expect 51 points, Daniel. Maybe okay. 50 or maybe 49. Maybe 49. Um, We're no, not so expecting that. Real talk. We are not. And this is one of those where, so in my early running back ranks for week four, I have him as like RB27, I believe. This is one of those where... You have to add Devon HN. Can't not. Because if you look at all the players available on your waiver wire, how many of them are more talented or playing an offense that's more explosive than Devon HN? The mm. answer is very, very, very few of them. He should be added just based off the upside alone. There are some potential mitigating factors, though. Much more difficult matchup this week. The fact that the Dolphins Against are the committed. Bills. Yep, they're playing the Bills in week four. Uh, certainly. It's been the Raheem Mostert show through the first three games. He is the highest score on running back in fantasy. They're not going to remove him from the lineup entirely. Jeff Wilson Jr. can return as soon as week five. And uh, Mike McDaniel is a proponent of you do not lose your job due to injury. Now, could that change? Of course, you know, actions speak louder than words, as they say, but I don't believe, and I could be wrong here, that Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to come back and be a total zero for this Dolphins offense. So it's possible that by next week, it's back to a three-man committee, or maybe at some point a little bit further down the line. What I'm trying to say is that while Devon Achan should be added in every single league, I can't precisely pinpoint what his weekly value is going to be going forward. Correct. I'm with you on that, but you're not trying to add him for weekly value this week. When you're talking about adding guys to the end of your bench, you want to have depth. You want to have upside. I said this last week, Raheem Mostert, 31 year old running back. We love Raheem Mostert has an injury history. Jeff Wilson has an injury history. We watched Devon Achan. And by the way, we found out it was Devon Achan in case you didn't listen to the show yesterday. We did. It was not Achan. So I look at this guy. He absolutely needs to be rostered. But I'm with you, Field. This is not one of those situations where you roster him and then all of a sudden throw him right into your starting lineup. You're grabbing the kid because of talent and potential opportunity down the line. I tried uh, to tell you what he looked like. Oh I my saw, gosh! I mean, and and he it was funny because he caught a touchdown pass in those joint practices with Atlanta. It was Skyler only one of them. What scrub? But 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 I think what you saw in that little microcosm of a moment was everything that you saw this week. But a couple things to your points about how Mike McDaniel's uses these running backs. Number one, Mike McDaniel's came from San Francisco. He brought two running backs from San Francisco and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. He also knows from San Francisco, how running backs get injured and how much you need that depth. So it is critical to him to have these guys who can rotate in. And yes, you have this running back by committee potential when you have all three that are healthy in there. But that also has the potential to not last for very long in this offense. Yeah. So I will um, say I will say this because, you, you know, a lot of people have been like, well, you know, as I was talking about after the draft, as I was talking about during preseason or talking about like, you know, the pre-draft process, this guy can fly. Agree. He can fly. Yes. Like that part was known. He was a healthy scratch in week one and he played six snaps in week two. So like, 
as a fantasy analyst, I don't, I, I, I don't know that anybody should be feeling bad about not having had more optimism about Achan as soon as week three. And I also think that I don't have a great grip about what it's going to look What's like going, going forward. forward. Right. Yeah, that, that's I, the point. I mean, it, you, we that be wasn't me. I wasn't trying to make anyone feel bad. I was just saying that you saw the potential yes. of him. And by the way, I did draft you him. You saw him the I, potential. I, I say, put him on my bench and he was on my bench for those 51.3 fantasy points you, for that exact reason that hmm. you didn't know when this was going to happen. Right. But you see the potential in a player. And sometimes, what do we talk about all the time? You're throwing darts to try and find guys who have the that's potential it. to explode during the season. Yep. You miss on some you hit on some. Yeah. Sometimes you hit on them and they're still on your bench because you didn't know that they were going to hit. But I think what it lets you know is they're not afraid to use them. And there might be scenarios where if you're looking for a flex player with incredible upside because he just might go off in a game, mm-hmm. he's a player to have. Do you guys see this? That there have been uh, so next gen stats tracks the speed of ball carriers. Oh, yeah. play. I can tell you Love they this all tweet. are. Yeah. Yep. The top six tweet. this season okay. are all Miami Dolphins. Tyree Kill in week three, Devon Achan in week three, Tyree Kill in week one, Raheem Mostert in week two, Tyree Kill in week one, Devon Achan in week three. You, That's real- you realize that they keep they keep note of this down there. Like these guys actively wager with each other on their speed. Last year it was a thing when they were having contests to see between Raheem Mostert and Tyreek Hill because they were like the two fastest guys in the league. And they actually document all this. They keep tabs on each other. Like this is how they motivate each other. Everything's predicated on speed down there. I'm starting to think Mike McDaniel just plays Madden and then constructs the Dolphins the way that he would a Madden roster. Because yeah. right now, all you want is speed, and he's got nothing but speed on that roster. Really it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know what, Field? Speaking of another guy that has speed, let's talk. move this to another running back. Yeah. Matt Breida in place of Saquon Barkley. Another guy that you could look at in case Devon H. Han was not available for, on, for you on waivers. Scored over 11 fantasy points and was clearly the go-to back early for the Giants in their game last Thursday against the 49ers they don't play till Monday night against the Seahawks so it's a good plan to have him especially if you have Saquon Barkley because that would give you the chance to pivot Um, but like this is a solid football player good receiver good opportunity here that if Saquon's out again I'll have Brita is like RB 25 maybe Mm -hmm. RB 30 okay not a must start but uh, you could do way worse especially in a year in which we've seen so many bad injuries and bad performances absolutely all right, let's talk about some of these wide receivers. This is yeah, where it gets fun this. again. This is, yeah, it does. Tank yeah. Dell, again, came out of no... No, I don't even want to say out of nowhere. We saw Tank Dell in the preseason. He yeah. looked good. We saw Tank Dell in week two. Yep. I think now we're starting to be at the point where C.J. Stroud is going to continue to sling it for this Texans offense, and that means we want to look at these young, exciting pass catchers. Totally. Tank Dell needs to be added. He should. He's been uh, an excellent player for them so far. A great find in the third round. Played his college ball at Houston, and he now plays for the Houston Texans. I and love what's that. been cool about Tank Dell is that not only can he do damage as a route runner in the short and intermediate game because he's so damn shifty, Mm -hmm. but he's had big plays down the field as well. He had that long touchdown. I believe it was a 71 yarder. Great scheme and design on that play to get him wide open, but also CJ Stroud just dropped one in the bucket down the field on a 51 yard play. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to have any definitive answers on that rookie quarterback class, but what I said yesterday, we do know this kid can play, right? Like CJ Stroud is just a pure pocket passer baby it is beautiful to see the work that he has done so far so this could sustain 
right? They're going to have to throw the ball a lot because they can't run the ball at all. And Tank Dell, he and Nico Collins are both real players for this Texans offense. Absolutely, they are. I love adding both of them, and they should be rostered in every league. Another wide receiver, I think, that needs to be rostered in more leagues field. Yeah. Adam Thielen is that unsexy veteran guy <laughs> that you're just not able to feel super excited about. But I'll tell you what, he's going to keep producing in this Panthers offense. He, to me, is yeah. the wide receiver one here. Sometimes you just need an old man to carry your squad. Adam Thielen can be my old man. Yeah, he can help you out, that's for sure, because uh, he is clearly the wide receiver one in this offense, as you just said. Revenge game this week as well. Adam Thielen plays the Vikings. Vikings. That's right. So a chance for him to exact some revenge on the team that unceremoniously, actually it was very ceremonious. They were very kind and thoughtful and gracious with the release of Adam Thielen. But yeah, this is about a volume play, and it's not going to be about a ton of big plays down the field for Adam Thielen, but just to, you know, good solid veteran football player uh, as we get to this point of the season and depth has already been thinned and we're a week away from the start of buys in the NFL Seattle I know is on a buy next week I think Pittsburgh on a buy next week um, maybe Pittsburgh's week six as Stefania mentioned earlier but yes the point is that uh, Adam Thielen should be rostered in many more leagues because of the volume there and this Carolina offense does not have a lot of answers right now mm-hmm. it seems like one of their best answers though is find Adam Thielen yeah it's interesting because um, you know his first game he only had two yep. catches then and he was coming off an ankle injury himself so we didn't know DJ Chark's been injured Bryce Young didn't play Bryce Young comes back this week mm-hmm. potentially I'm just curious to see if it looks the same. The yeah. Andy Dalton, uh, Adam Thielen connection was real. Couple but I'm just veteran to veteran connection. Yeah, yeah. And, and I felt like he trusted. And, and TJ Chark, who wasn't healthy, is now getting healthier. So yep. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Chark, another wide. I don't know that I trust Adam have. Thielen yet myself. I think he's valuable to have. I just don't know that I trust him in my lineup. Wide receiver is a really, really deep position. This is one of the things that's tough about it because I feel like we could put in 25 different flex plays at wide receiver. And like, this is just where we're at in a passing league. There yeah. are so many opportunities. So I do like Adam Thielen, someone that should be added. You did mention uh, DJ Chark as well. Stefania got in the end zone last week, another wide receiver that you could potentially look at if you need a little bit of help at the wide receiver position. And I want to mention Sam Laporta. Sam Laporta <laughs> only available in 35% of leagues, but yeah, guess baby. what? This dude is tight end two yeah. on the season. So available good. in 35% of leagues means you need to go out and see if you're one of the 35% because with the dearth at the tight end position. Nice use of yes, dearth right yeah. here. Very proud of you. Sam Laporta <laughs> needs to be rostered. He is a basic must start at this point with how bad tight end has been. I love this. Yeah, but I actually Sam. think it might be more than that, Daniel. More than that? Yeah, like I'm going to give you guys What's more than Lions a must credit. Mean, mean, no, meaning like he's basically a must start because of how bad tight ends are. No, no I think he's is- just a must start. Like I think he's just like a legit part of an offense that right now is a little thin at wide receiver and yes. he's a good football player. They're crafting stuff for him. I don't think the reason why we're talking about Sam Laporta is because of the struggles of other players only. I think it's because Laporta is the real deal. Uh, you and I play in a league of Michigan men and yes, Detroit Lions fans. So we talk often about this team and I remember sort of being like, um, you know, when the draft took place, understanding that like it's not exactly maximizing positional value by drafting a running back and a linebacker, when you take a big step back from it, we did feel like, hey, this could be a draft class that will help this team in a hurry. And Laporta is a part of that draft class. It has mm-hmm. really helped this team in a hurry. And he looks like he's the real deal. I mean, uh, Iowa's got a very strong track record of tight ends in the NFL. Yes, they do. Looks like they have found the next Starting great it. Iowa tight end. That's right. Hey, shout out to my buddy Kurt Dallas Vandermas. Clark is a, you're thinking George Kittle's 
certainly yeah, he looks good. But it goes even further back. Yeah, I know. He was, but he started the tight end holiday, so you know. Oh, that works too. Yeah, he's a national tight end premier tight end. Yeah, national tight end day. So we love George Kittle. In that Michigan men chat, my buddy Kurt Vandermas made it very clear. He said, Daniel, you will be talking about Sam Laporta by week three. I promise. He said that before the start of the season. He right. we are talking about Sam Laporta. So is Kurt available Monday through yeah, Friday? Yeah, it's a show with us. By chance. Kurt, go to yeah. Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about a couple more guys that we could potentially grab and start or stash for our lineups let's here. Let's do it. Yep. I'm going to start Hit with me. Zach Charbonnet. Yes. Available add. in more than 60% of leagues. Grab him. Stash him. He's uh, a stash. Probably not an add and start, though, with the way that he's getting used no, right now. not yet. I mean, he's clearly the backup but his snap share has gone up every single week and he's second round pick. His kid can play. Yeah. I would be adding Zach Charbonnet, one of the most valuable insurance policies in the entire NFL. I don't want this to happen, but if something happened to Kenneth Walker, the third Zach Charbonnet could be this year's version of Kenneth Walker. How the many third. backup running backs have we watched get fantasy value over the first three weeks of the season? And I hate to say that, but with that being the oh, case, fact, it's just like, why is Charbonnet not rostered in more? If anything happens to Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet would be top 15 running back. Yeah, my like. thought is on that is that like at the beginning of your fantasy season, there are players that you go into the season expecting to have a fantasy role and you don't know how long you have to wait before you drop them. So there are probably players that are on rosters right now that really don't have, like I just, I was, I was looking through the most added and dropped players mm-hmm. and I saw that like Juju Smith Schuster was on like 54% of rosters. There's no need for that, right? Nope. Like he doesn't need Zach Charbonnet needs to be rostered more than Juju Smith Schuster does. But coming into the season, certainly one player has much more of a track record in the NFL. And the idea that Juju could be the Patriots number one wide receiver, maybe that could lead to some value. No. So I think we're still kind of um, sort of clearing the decks with players that fit into that Juju Smith-Schuster category. Darnell Mooney, Juju Smith-Schuster, players like that that don't really have much value right now in fantasy that are still on many more rosters because they were on a high percentage coming into the season. Kadarius Tony. Another example. Every Chiefs receiver. <laughs> All Chiefs receivers right now. Sounds yeah, honestly, we're going to have that conversation. Yeah. All right, what about Romeo Dobbs Field? I know we've had some back and forth about this Packers wide receiving core with the way that Jordan Love has looked through the first couple of games. But does Dobbs at least deserve to be rostered, or do you think that he's not getting enough run for that? I think this is one where we're very, very close to the borderline. Because if Christian Watson plays on Thursday night, I don't think three Packers receivers are going to matter, especially with Luke Musgrave playing a real role. And so I think that if there are two out of three that matter, Assuming they're all healthy, it's Christian Watson and Jaden Reed. And that's where you're at. So, like, if we get news today that Christian Watson was listed as DNP for the Packers, Stefania's early report suggests that would be extremely unlikely, then I would consider it. But I don't think that Romeo Dobbs is a must-add and stash. What about Calvin Austin? We nope. talked about Allen Robinson, maybe, but you don't like, you don't think so. He's a good player, but I just in this Steelers offense right now, there's one wide receiver that really matters. That's George Pickens until Deontay returns. Stefania said that'll be in week seven at the earliest. So you've got Calvin Austin. Are you starting him this week? I'm probably not going to start no. him. The question is, would you like? Is he worth stashing? Because I don't think might so. Be more. Because if you're stashing him, it's like, hey, at some point down the line, well, you're what if Deontay's Deontay back, back and yeah. all of a sudden you have George Pickens and Deontay Johnson for a kind of floundering offense so far? They're two and one because of Mike. Tomlin, but uh, they just do this. But um, yeah, I would not be at. I would not, not be there. stashing him. Yep. All right, then I think we're at the point where we're going to start to get some of these guys: Joshua Palmer or Quentin Johnston. Yes, obviously, yes. without Mike Williams, which one of these would you prioritize over the other field? Uh, if it's for a stash, I'm going to go with Quentin Johnston. If it's to start, if it's right now, you need some immediate help. It's Josh Palmer. Yep. I think Palmer will continue to play a big role, and obviously, I'm biased towards Palmer because of his That's, name. Yep. But Quentin Johnston, and maybe I'm wrong here. 
But like just that would be a miscalculation of resources if you used a first round pick on Quinton Johnston and couldn't get a lot out of him in the circumstances that they are currently in without Mike Williams for the rest of the season. Right. That you don't draft a guy 23rd or 24th overall if he can't play when there is an obvious hole in need for him. But, does, but like this may be a different conversation. Yeah, well, but this team, and this is the case with Minnesota, with KJ Osborne and Jordan Addison, has a clear pecking order amongst their wide receivers. Number one, Keenan Allen. It was Mike Williams. It's been Joshua Palmer, as we talked about with Mike on Monday. During the game, once Mike Williams got hurt, Palmer remained in the role that he had been in. He played more than Quinton Johnston. Now that you have a week to work through it and decide what you want to do, does that change? I think Quinton Johnson is the better add and stash because if I'm adding and stashing a player, it's not just the role, it's the talent, and Johnson has more talent than Joshua Palmer. Last year, Joshua Palmer, 72 receptions. And I know it didn't feel, we were expecting more, we wanted more like from him. But I'll like, open this up. He's not I a scrub. Rem- I remember, he's not a scrub at all. He's a third-round pick. He was a good player. But I remember those being like kind of saturated in terms of when they took place. Let me pull this up. I'll do this on the fly. You guys can keep talking here. But like, if you go back and look at those 72, there was a stretch where he went 9, 8, 3, 8, 5, 7. And then down the stretch, 4, 5, 2, 0, 4. Yeah. Right? So it feels like... um a lot of the meat on that bone was in the middle of that, like, like that six game stretch right there. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one. Cause I do like Joshua Palmer. He's a guy, Not one of these player. two guys yeah. is going to step up. You hope within this offense, although once they get Austin Eckler back, maybe there's a little more pass game work goes to there yep. as well. So let's talk about Elijah Moore. I feel like within this Browns offense last week, we finally saw, we talked about it, the Deshaun Watson that we were hoping at least a little bit to see in a Browns uniform. You got to see that. I think Elijah Moore absolutely should be rostered in, in fantasy leagues as well. Adam, Easy. Totally. Yeah, I thought that I thought I was really surprised at his low utilization the first couple of weeks because everything All the that we was. saw, yeah. well, and it was real. I mean, if you watched and and what they were doing, he was a favored target of his. So I think last week was what I expect more of going forward. So here's the thing that wasn't great through the first two weeks. Okay. Three catches for 43 yards three catches for 36 yards, and then last week, nine, but only for 49. I understand that doesn't feel super big, but here's what you want to hang your head on. Seven targets, targets week right, one, right. nine targets week two. Because the performance nine was so bad by three. the quarterback. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he is getting that volume and half the time. We've talked about this. We just keep coming back to this. Right now, you want volume. You're looking for volume. Guys that are going to be utilized by this offense, taking on the Baltimore Ravens next week. So that's going to be a fun matchup to be able to watch. I feel like these Browns-Ravens games are just always always fun because of that interdivisional mm. kind of shootout. Um, all right. I think that's a pretty, Oh, we got a couple more guys. So sorry. Stop or drop. We're going to do streams of the week. Yeah. We're going to do streams of the week. Field. Okay. Let's do it. Let's talk at CJ Stroud. Do you think CJ Stroud isn't like you could use him as a weekly streamer with the way that he started each of the first three weeks? He is as impressive as all as I just said earlier, but um, yeah, he's, he's right there on the fringe. Uh, it's a, let's do this. Let okay. me ask you this question. Real quick. Okay. Asking you if I'm asking you this. Yep. Part of this is taking into account, let's say we're playing in a 10-team league. Mm-hmm. At least the top 10 quarterbacks are rostered. Correct. We've talked about how a lot more people- I have people... Derek Carr. He's hurt. Do I pick up CJ Stratton? That's a great question. You, you have Derek Carr? Mm-hmm. Well, how big is the league? Ideally, you weren't starting Derek Carr in a 10-team league. But no, yeah, no, in a 16-team no. uh, league. Uh, well, 16-team league. He definitely, CJ okay. Stratton yeah, absolutely needs to be added. 16-team league, then yes. Uh, for like 10 or 12-team leagues, 
no, does not need to be added. No, you but impressive. So. He could be. He certainly has been impressive. I think that just sort of doing this off the top of my head, right? Let's say you've got Justin Fields in your roster. That's fine, but I, I, you might get to. I, I think, think you might get to ten or eleven or twelve before you get the CJ Stroud. Is what I'm okay. trying to say, okay. right? Between, I'm just gonna. I'm looking at the games in order. Here are the players that like. I will be starting these players over CJ Stroud. Okay. Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Josh Allen. Tua Tonga Vailoa. Uh, Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. Joe Burrow against the Titans, really close. Anthony Richardson, assuming he plays. Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, uh, Justin Herbert. What about Russell Wilson? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Russell Wilson against the Bears is close. Um, you know, like it's 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 fringy is what I would say. Okay, he's on the fringe. Yeah. Like, well, that's part a, of what a, a streamer is. Debate. Yeah, he's a streamer. Yeah. Yes, circumstantially, there might be there might be some opportunity for CJ Stroud and he has been way too impressive to not give the man his props. You tell also, me like in, in 10 team league. I mean, not, not everyone, but I play in a couple 12 team leagues. People have backup quarterbacks. So, Absolutely. you know, sure. even though he might not be right where you'd want to take someone, if you've got somebody who's hurt, he might be the best of the available options to stream. That's what I was sort of starting with. Like, if we're in a 10-team league, at least the first 10 are rostered, and then you're going to assume the next five or six quarterbacks are also probably be. on a team. Mm-hmm. So C.J. Stroud would probably be the number one guy that you would add. Yeah. I do want to say, I have Justin Fields and Joe Burrow in multiple fantasy leagues. I'm at least considering <laughs> starting C.J. Stroud over him. You can tell me that is a bad decision, but I am an emotional fantasy football player, and there is a part of me that doesn't want to continue to see Justin Fields go out there and poop the bed the way that he has over the first three weeks. So for me, when I see this kid, C.J. Stroud looks great. I got yep. no problems if you want to be able to use him as a streamer. Doesn't need to be rostered, but absolutely someone you could use here in week four if you had a matchup that you were looking to, uh, to be able to upgrade. Yep. What about Andy Dalton against Minnesota? If he plays. If Andy Dalton plays. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a great opportunity to match up, but I would rank. So let's just go through the third streamer as well. I'll just lump them all together, all right. right? CJ Stroud, Andy Dalton, Jordan Love. It would be Jordan Love, CJ Stroud, Andy Dalton for me in that order. Jordan Love against the Detroit Lions on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, I know. And, and we'll see whether Christian Watson plays or not. And I know I've been talking about how there's some mirage factor here to Jordan Love, but he's the only one of these three that I feel confident has the chance to impact the game with his legs as well. He had nine rushes this past week for 39 yards and a touchdown. Um, and uh, yeah, that's probably about as far like with CJ Stroud, the Steelers do make me nervous because that Texans offensive line is such a disaster right now. Like I fear that the first interception could take place this week for CJ Stroud because the Texans have been so decimated by injuries. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith are going to feast oh, yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Feast. He's been, he's been throwing the ball a lot too. I'm actually surprised he has not thrown his first pick. Yeah. He's been so, so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for the streams of the week. Stefania Field, thank you so much for hanging out with me on a Tuesday. This was a ton of fun. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We will be back tomorrow, Wednesday, breaking down a bunch of the week four rankings. Me, Field, and Mike Clay. Don't forget to love each other. We love you guys so much. Be kind to yourself, and we cannot wait to see you tomorrow. Don't forget to get your waivers in. Shout out Kevin James. People already (laughs) tweet me, so I respect that. That's I love it. (laughs) Kevin James, we love you, man. We'd love to have you come on the show. See you. He definitely listened. Right? Yeah. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart. 
She's always there to lend a helping hand Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us With advice that we really trust Your favorite gal, she's the fine you Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.